Good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon. It is Sharifa Hardy, better known as Ask Sharifa, and we have a very special show for you today. I know this show is going to be a lot of fun because it's discussing one of my favorite topics. We'll get into that a little bit later, but before we go into the show, I'm going to ask you to do what I always ask you to do, and that's to go ahead and share this interview because friends don't let friends miss out on Ask Sharifa. So today's guest is Amy Waterman, and Amy is a specialist in relationships and dating. She's published over a dozen books, and if, any, if no one else has questions for her today, I have a laundry list of things I want to ask Amy about relationships and dating. But if you do have questions, we are live on Facebook. Feel free to ask your questions or place your comments in the comments section below. Good afternoon, Amy. How are you? Hello, Sharifa. Thank you so much for inviting me on. And uh, I want to talk about my favorite topic. My favorite topic is actually pleasure. Because what's more oh, wow. pleasurable than love? <laughs> yeah. Okay. 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 So say that again. I think I interrupted. No. So what is more pleasurable than love? Like one of the things we often think about is that love is tough. Love is hard. Love means getting your heart ripped out and people Thank abusing you. So you and, on and, uh, I want Oops. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think I heard my own echo. But anyway, it, it's, you know, love is tough. And so my goal is to help women rediscover the pleasure in dating again by starting with their own capacity to experience pleasure. And when we do that, we not only attract love easier, but it's a lot more fun. Wow, how did you get into that? What made you decide to go on that path? So, oh, funny story. So we have to start way, way back. So when I graduated from college, I decided I was gonna travel the world and write about it. And I actually worked in agriculture and I was all over the place. Mm -hmm. And as I was out and about, you know, you start thinking about, dating in a whole different way. Like when I was a college student, dating kind of felt like it probably does for most Americans. You know, the guys are kind of jerks and it's all a lot of players and it's all how you look and there's a lot of drinking involved, which, you know. And so, but when I started traveling, I realized that dating and relationships is very cultural. And the way I'd experienced it in America was not the way it was everywhere else in the world. And uh, I dated in South America, I dated in Australasia, I dated in Europe, and I had lots of different experiences that really opened my eyes to the fact that so much dating and relationships reflects our belief systems rather than any, you know, um, natural difference between men and women, natural way dating happens. None of that's true. It's all cultural. And so I was really lucky. I ended up in New Zealand and uh, got to work for a small internet company who said, hey, we need somebody to write books on how to be irresistible to men. Do you want to do it? It's like, course they're like here you can have you know whatever books you want from the library and so this was back in 2005 long time ago and so i started then taking all the knowledge i had gained from the cross-cultural side of it and then started really doing the research and uh, i'm a you know a former philosophy major so i really really like hard research hard data and so now uh, i guess that's been what 14 years on mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been a long time. And uh, to this day, what I'm, what I'm astounded at is the research keeps evolving. So mm -hmm. I often joke that if anybody is giving you advice that dates before 2010, it's probably outdated. 
there's a lot of people in this industry telling you the way it, it's always been and the way it's always going to be. This is how men are. This is how women are. But honestly, this stuff is changing all the time. And now what's, what I really get excited about, because I'm a nerd, is that we used to have agony aunts or ministers or parents giving us dating advice. And it was based on opinions, opinions mm -hmm. and values. But today, what we have is known as relationship science. If somebody's giving you their opinion and they're basing it on what how things are, ignore it. What you want is the hard studies done by amazing researchers. Uh, Dr. Eli Finkel is one of them. You know, the Gottman Institute. There's all these people giving us real research about how men and women today mate and love. And that's the stuff we want to be listening to. Okay. That's very interesting. Men today mate. Women and men today mate and they do love. Many people feel that the divorce rate is just out of this world. I mean, when you say it, it's like smiling and happy, the results say, the statistics show that people want to date, they want to be happy, they want to be in love. But yet, I would, you know, look at the other side that many people fear, you know, most people are divorcing these days. Well, I don't know, maybe that's a generalization. That's why I don't know. Because yes, I've been divorced actually. Let's look at the science, right? Because I love science. And going back to Dr. Eli Finkel, I sound like he, he does the most amazing research on online dating. If you look him up, look at his studies on online dating. Now, we won't talk about his online dating studies. We're going to talk about his book, The All or Nothing Marriage. And it's one of a lot of books that are looking at that research on the divorce rate. So the divorce rate really kind of exploded once we had the, the no-fault divorce laws, but mm -hmm. a lot of that was correcting for the fact that people had been stuck in marriages that were unhealthy and unhappy because they couldn't financially afford to get out of them. Once mm -hmm. the divorce laws equalized, there was a lot of people getting out of marriages that they probably should have never got into in the first place, so it went up. But this is the wonderful thing. It's going down now. Is it? So that's to be honest, it's actually getting better and better, but here's... Hey. The thing that's really important, mm -hmm. the divorce rate is going down for folks who are college educated mm -hmm. and have a middle class or above. Okay. The divorce rate is not going down. It's actually going quite higher for people who have high school diploma or less and are living in poverty. Why? Well, because we don't look at the effects of socioeconomic status on marriages. When you are struggling to survive, when a lot of the men in your community are in jail or on drugs, mm -hmm. that stress puts enormous pressure on a marriage. And unfortunately, women are the ones who are, who are bearing the burden. We're the ones holding the families together. Well, unfortunately, the men are really sometimes they're struggling to find jobs in a lot of communities. So there's a breakdown. There's a lot of people in the, that socioeconomic layer that are saying, I can't afford to get married because if I get married and this guy loses his job or stops working, I'm going to have to not only support him, but any kids we have, I'm going to have to support them. I'm going to do it on my own. So that's one of those things we really want to look at, you know, given what the, the political debate at the moment, mm -hmm. if we want to support marriage, we actually need to support marriage by supporting lower income, less educated people to have financial stability. And that's what's going to actually improve the divorce rate for this country. No, it sounds 
Wonderful. I mean, it sounds great. It makes sense. Because for me, I always say one of my biggest focuses, one of the things that I'm so passionate about is business, you know, entrepreneur, entrepreneur, entrepreneurship, creating jobs, creating opportunities. And that really is because of the family. You know, if you're unable to, like, it, I think you said it so eloquently, you know, when the focus is on the finances, then they want to take, they want to do it by themselves. They want, don't want to combine resources. They want to say, okay, you know what, it, it, it's too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so one of the issues with uh, dating advice and, you know, in general is that so much of it is targeted towards mm -hmm. white middle-class women. And there's mm -hmm. not really, there's not a great understanding of diversity in dating advice. You know, there's, so much dating advice assumes that you're just like everybody else. And of course we're not, we all have different struggles. And so that's one of those things that I would love to see the industry change in dating advice where we get more targeted advice based on our own specific struggles. Mm -hmm. No, I know. Well, one example that I would say is a conversation I had some time ago when people were discussing the ring size and you know, would you be okay with a small ring or not getting a ring? Um, and it was interesting to me because one of the things that they said is that, you know, if, if you had to have a ring that was of a certain size, then you were more focused on the money and not on the man, not on the love, not on the marriage. Then if you had the ring that was on a smaller side or maybe no ring at all, just a ceremony, then, you know, you're maybe settling for less. But one of the things that one of the people, the argument that they made is like, Okay, if you're not happy with this ring, this this marriage ring, this marriage proposal ring that symbolizes what he has to offer, they said, well, maybe he's unemployed, maybe he's out of work, you know, maybe he didn't have a ring, he didn't have money to go and get a better ring. So my take on the entire conversation was, if he was unemployed and he didn't have any money, why would that be the time to get married? That was that was my primary thought. Yes. So, so there's two, two things I'll add to that. The first is there is actually a study and I wish it was fresher in my mind. I came across that, that the more you spend on a marriage, the more likely you are to divorce. So yep. those really big splashy weddings for, and I can't tell you causality on that. Those really okay. big splashy weddings actually are a risk factor. You might split up sooner. The other really interesting thing about, um, about men needing to wait till they have income in order to uh, propose, this is actually something we know about men. So not only are women, women are saying this too though. I don't wanna say that this is just a men thing. Both men and women today want to have financial stability and a clear career path before they get married. So it used to be that marriage was the beginning of adulthood. So like you went to school, you finished school, and then how many people, you know, you got your Mrs. degree and you married someone from college and boom, that was the beginning of your adult life. Right. Today, we're actually seeing marriage as something that caps the end of a successful young adulthood. So mm -hmm. you've got to finish your education. And if you're doing a PhD, it's going to take a while. You want to get established in a career. You want to be financially sound. And then finally, you're ready to get married. And again, this is men and women. So this is why we're seeing the average age of marriage getting pushed back and pushed back. I think it's about 28 right now, which is a great thing because one of the other things we know statistically is when you're older, if you get married when you're a bit older, your marriage is more likely to last. And so there, it, I think it can only be good if we postpone right. marriage a little bit 
until everybody's sound. And again, you're going to have less stress in your marriage if your education is finished and you're financially sound. That makes perfect sense. Again, if you are just now tuning in, we are speaking with Amy Waterman and we are discussing relationships and dating advice. We're also going to talk a little bit about her books. I just want to go ahead and welcome Sabrina, Sherry, Mustafa, a couple of people chatting in the chat room. Sabrina says, these are good points to think about in our society and for norms. And norms, she put in parentheses, what we consider the norm. So thank you for that, Sabrina. And if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to add them in the comment section. I'll go ahead and read them to our guests. So just, I mean, if I would just look at the smile on your face, I would believe, or I would kind of feel as if you feel that things are getting better. Like people, people are loving more, being happy and wanting to be married. What, what do the statistics show? Well, this is, again, we're going to go back to uh, Dr. Eli Finkel. Okay. <laughs> He's been on my mind a lot lately. I must meet the man someday. But anyway, so he talks about how the best marriages to, of today are better than any marriages in history. Oh, there wow. have never been better marriages than the best marriages today. But the worst marriages are pretty bad. So what we're seeing now is that they're really splitting, right? So, and why are the best marriages so good? So we know why the bad marriages are so bad. There's a lot of instability. There's a lot of financial stress. Uh, these, I want to emphasize that the bad marriages aren't bad because people lack skills. That's one of those things you hear a lot. Oh, if they just worked harder on saving their marriage, if they just learned communication skills, their marriage would be great. That's really underplaying all the other factors that play into a marriage. So I don't think it's fair to blame people for a poor marriage. But let's look at let's look at the best marriages. Like, why are the best marriages so awesome nowadays? Right. It's to do with what's called a self-expressive marriage. So if we look at, I don't know if you know uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Well, you have your, your base needs at the bottom, they're like food, shelter, and it, it goes up, you know, security, family. And at the very top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs is the most wonderful need of them all, the one that you only get to pursue once all your other needs are met, and that's self-expression. Mm -hmm. it's, it's becoming fully who you truly are. Oh, that's so, beautiful. Yeah. So what's wonderful about marriage nowadays and what really is probably one of the hardest things about marriage is that today we don't just expect our partner fulfill, to fulfill those bottom needs. Throughout most of history, mm -hmm. when you married, you married so that you could have food, shelter, and stability. Right. You didn't expect That's anything else out of it. But right. today we marry because we hope that our spouse will make us more of who we are. With our spouse, we are going to be greater and better and more able to step into this vision of ourselves that we have. And we couldn't have done that when we were single. So obviously that puts a ton of pressure on your partner to really support you in becoming the person that you've always wanted to be. But it also makes really good marriages amazing because you are so much more with your partner than you ever could have been when you were single. That is so, okay, talk about this book. I want to hear about this book. Do you have the book? Let's see the book. I'm excited now. Yeah, so the, the funny thing is the book is actually a really hard read. I, uh, it's called The All or Nothing Marriage. Um, okay. it's, it's a difficult read. I, there are some <laughs> other books that, one of the books I really recommend for people okay. who are interested in seeing uh, the cultural shifts in marriages, which actually he cites quite a lot in his own book, is okay. Stephanie Kuhn's uh, Marriage of History. If okay. you read that book, 
you will completely understand my belief that dating is 100% cultural and temporal. It's based on where we live and it's based on the time in which we live. All those uh, political circumstances, you know, how society is organized. There's all that stuff that shifts how we date and how we get married. And it's a moment in time. So people who say, I don't like how dating is nowadays. I don't like how marriage is nowadays. Mm -hmm. It's shifting. And the wonderful thing is you can be part of that shift. If we all change the way we see dating and marriage, Mm -hmm. culture shifts. And it all starts with each of us. So if you don't like it, be one of those people envisioning a new way for the future. And and let's, I would love to see a movement where dating is not about what I call the gender police. Mm -hmm. Right now in dating, men have to be men and women have to be women. And if a woman dares be strong or God forbid masculine, oh, she's not going to get a guy. Mm -hmm. BS. And here's why we know it's BS. There are tons of studies that show that what's known as psychologically androgynous people, people with a wonderful balance of masculine and feminine are happier and healthier and more satisfied in their relationships than masculine men or feminine women. We also know that relationships where there's equal balance of power, where uh, both people negotiate their roles rather than taking a typically masculine or typically feminine role, they're happier and they're much more satisfied. They even have a better sex life than marriages in which the man does the man things and the woman does the woman things. So we need to, dating advice needs to get with the times. We can't go around telling women to be more feminine and men to be more masculine because it's not gonna give them a happy life and a happy relationship. So this is again where relationship opinion versus relationship science, we go by the science. Oh, that was wonderful. That was beautiful. Now, Amy, we have a question and I'm going to tell you this little secret since everybody's listening. I'm 40 something now and I really need to get glasses, but I'm too vain. Okay. So let watch me try to read this question. <laughs> Sabrina says, any advice for me? My husband and I have been married for six years. We have two small children. Currently, we are separated. Since last year, he had anger issues. I think it's communication, but also think I've changed since we had kids. Any advice? I try to always make him happy, but have learned boundaries for myself and am working on self-healing. Right now, I'm a single mom and just been doing it. That's the question from Sabrina. Well, first of all, I think that... um, being able to separate and say this isn't working is really brave because here's the thing so first of all let's let's go back a little bit let's Mm -hmm. go back six years you got married and then you had children okay so dating uh, relationship opinion says you have children to cement your marriage once you had children you are committed you are a team and you're stronger than you were before bs actually relationship science says The minute you have children, your marriage gets hit hard. Your marriage satisfaction goes boom. And you know when it comes back up? When they they ate me? Yes. (laughs) So first of all, this is actually normal. And I really wish that we, we, this was well known, the impact of kids on a marriage is tough. Mm -hmm. But the second thing is, so Sabrina, you said that your husband had anger issues. And you've got two small children, right? So one of the most powerful things I think I've ever heard someone say is that 
when you look at those kids, I don't know whether they're a boy or a girl or whatever, but when you look at those children, those children are watching you and those children are looking at you and your relationship with your husband to see what normal is. So the way you behave will always be to them normal for a woman. The way you behave in a relationship with your husband is normal for a wife. The way your husband behaves is normal for a man. And the question you have to ask yourself, is this the normal I want my children to believe in, you know, to be raised in? And when I think about this question, and I think about, would I want my daughter to become like me? So I'm in a marriage that's not good, where I'm trying to make my partner happy, where my partner has anger issues, my children are watching me. Do I want this to become what they think is normal, what they then seek out in their future? So this stuff is tough. It's really tough. We often have this belief that being married is better than being separated. Here's what the data says. The data says that the one factor that harms children, not divorce, not any separation, is conflict between parents. And yeah. here's the problem. Once you get divorced, is there still conflict between the parents? If so, the kids yeah. are still getting harmed. It doesn't matter whether you're married or divorced. What matters to your kids is conflict between the parents. And so you've got to ask yourself the question, how can I minimize conflict between me and my husband? Do I minimize it by going back to him? Will we be able to show our children a lovely, healthy home where people resolve conflicts through communication and, and you know, that sort of thing? Or will my children see conflict? Will they see me, you know, shrinking to not make him mad? You know, so these are, these are questions you have to answer and nobody will know those, those answers but you. But one of the most important things I think has come out of this is the fact that divorce doesn't harm children as much as parental conflict. When I learned that, I was like, why wasn't I taught that? Right. No, I mean, I believed it. Like I said, I was, my kids were young when I was divorced and I was divorced twice. And it wasn't the easiest thing in the world. It was by far one of the most difficult things um, to do, to go through a divorce and then to go through a divorce again. But my focus was always was in the best interest of the children, you know, and being a single mom for that period of time, you have to take that time, I believe, you know, because it is a lot of fighting and arguing. It can be, let me just say that in my situations it was, and to me that wasn't healthy because I grew up in a household where it was very normal, very normal to, to yell and scream and holler and curse and, you know, it was just, but many people still to this day considered, considered that normal. You know what I mean? They, oh, that's just normal. That's how people are. That's just how people talk. You know, uh, and it's interesting because, you know, I have family from the East Coast and family from the West Coast. You know, then you have these little, uh, my dad's from Brooklyn. You know, it's kind of normal for the people to be yelling or different things from the apartment. So it's just like, it can be, life can be normal what's normal for you. But one of the things also is when you find a mate or you find a, a, a spouse, that's really when you find the conflicts or you can find the conflicts in that normal. You know what I mean? Because 
someone's normal could be to to put a shotgun on a kitchen table every morning before we, you know what I mean, go off to work. But someone else is normal, you know, maybe they didn't live that country life, yeah. would be scared to have, you know, a weapon even in the house. So it's it can be difficult. And let me frame this as a form of a question because I'm, you know, sharing well, my- I can actually jump in here. So. One of, one of the statistics, so we look at compatibility, right? What makes two people compatible? Popular culture says, oh, well, you like the same foods and you like to vacation the same places and you like to, you know, listen to the same music. No. What makes two people compatible? One of the best indicators is that the way they fight meshes. Mm -hmm. So they both fight in a way that feels good to each other. Mm -hmm. And that's actually because everybody has different conflict styles. So we're not saying that, that one's better than the other. But what we're saying is that two people will feel comfortable. Like if he's a yeller and she's quiet, probably yeah. not work. Yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> you are are good at this stuff. Sabrina has been thanking you the entire time. She says, Sabrina says, yes, that's what I think. Um, she said, it's the norm to yell in my parents' house. And she just gave a lot of hearts and, and the hands folded. We got some hearts in here. Thank you for Nakia Brown for joining us. We are discussing relationship and dating advice from Amy Waterman. So this is my question for you, Miss Lady. When people come to see you, you, this is my marketing question I have to ask because I always, I get clients and I get referrals, but the majority of the people come to me and they say, you know what, I really don't even know what you do, but Amy said to call you. And I speak to the person and during the course of that conversation, I determine, okay, that's why Amy said ask Sharifa. It was seeing the knowledge and the information that you have on relationships and, and dating, which is all new to me you have plenty of people contacting you and calling you for relationship advice. Well, crazily <laughs> enough, I have had a very interesting life. I've been very okay. peripatetic, uh, lived in a lot of different countries in the last bit. And so really what I have focused on is actually doing the research and then presenting it to people. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you come on to my Facebook, you watch one of my YouTube videos, you comment, I love answering questions. So you guys probably can find my link to my YouTube channel, maybe in the show notes. Come and ask me there and make it a public discussion. Because one of the things I think is, is challenging with like one-on-one -on -one coaching is that what happens in one-on-one -on -one coaching needs to be private and it stays private. But my goal is not to necessarily help individual people with their issues. My goal is to change culture and to change culture by informing as many people as possible. And so that's why you're gonna see me, you know, all over social media, just like Sharifa and uh, answering your questions on social media because I want this to be a public conversation. We need to change the way we love in this country. Okay, but and what about online dating? To do it. Discuss that for me, online dating. Because I'm a huge fan of online dating. I, I'm, hey, I'm, online dating fan number one, but there are so many people who, who feel they would never do online dating. What are your thoughts on that? And, okay, and so please, there's, this, there's a really easy way to succeed in online. <laughs> okay. Super okay. easy way. So one of the problems with online dating is the gender police are at work again, right? 
women go on online dating and they expect men to message them. They'll like, they'll like a man or they'll wink at him, but he's got to make the first move. Is that what it is? No, because no, when I was- Stop it, ladies. So okay. we need to start messaging men. And here's okay. how we do it. So there's a lot of information on messages that work. Another bad piece of online dating advice is if you're going to message someone for the first time, you need to read their profile carefully and write a customized message that shows that you actually have read their profile. No. So what we need to be doing is we need to write a really great first message that really reflects who we are and what we want. Keep it to, and this is going to be hard, 40 to 60 characters. It's not word characters. And if you really can't do it, you can go up to a hundred, but try not to do any more than that. Keep it short. Maybe you could have say hello and his name and maybe something about him in the beginning, then send it to as many men as possible. So here's the thing about ladies. This is the problem with us because we have listened to the gender police for so long. We have put ourselves in a passive role in dating. So we can flirt with a guy, but he's the one who's got to come over and talk to us. So we give ourselves the power to choose a man, but we never put ourselves out there for rejection. How often do you see women in clubs going up and striking up a conversation with a guy? If we started doing that, not only would our success rate go up because we'd be meeting more men and we'd be meeting the men we want. You know how frustrating it is to flirt with a guy all night, to give him the eye, to walk past him and he never notices you? Well, that's on you because it's not his job, your job to talk to him. Yes. But here's the problem, ladies. Mm -hmm. Once we start putting ourselves out there, making the first move, approaching men, sending the first message, we're going to start learning the same lesson that men have been learning for decades. Mm -hmm. And that lesson is we're going to get rejected more than we get accepted. Right. Men are used to that. Men have, they, they have to work at it. It does take a little bit of work, but they're used to going up talking to a man and it doesn't work out. Doesn't affect their self-esteem. Mm -hmm. So I want to make this a broader argument here. Uh, Cheryl Sandberg, uh, the author of lean in talks about how, Women will look at a job opening and they will have like 90% of the qualifications of like, well, I don't have the last 10%, so I'd better not apply. Mm -hmm. Man will look at that same job opening. He'll have 20% of the qualifications. He'll be like, yeah, that's the job for me. And he'll apply. <laughs> so again, this is, this is a cultural thing here. A man will apply and if he gets rejected, so a woman will apply. And if she gets rejected, she'll think, it's me. They don't like me. Something's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. We got to stop that. And the way we stop that is by making the first move, by putting ourselves out there, even if we don't think we'll get accepted and noticing that rejection won't kill us. And it's that same way with online dating. When you send like all these messages to these guys, maybe expect 20% of them to reply to you. That's one in five. Like that's not good. And that may not feel good to you. That's normal. And it's okay. Because if you send out a hundred messages and you get 20 back, your success rate is still better than if you had sent out no messages at all and just waited for men to contact you. You know, Amy, I have not heard or had many people say that. I'm just sitting up here cheering because when I was on the online dating sites, my friend called my friends called me 51st dates. That was their nickname for me because I would line up dates all week and on the weekend and I would just go out. And people was like, how did you do that? How could you do that? I was like, because I went out with a clear intention. 
my intention was to simply have fun and not to, to find the one or my soulmate or anything, just to get out the house. I was, you know, going through it. Let's get out the house. Let's have some fun. Let, you know, meet new people. And I did it exactly the way you said that there, there people couldn't imagine that I could line up so many dates. But I, like you said, I sent out hundreds of messages and I literally did the same thing, copy and paste, copy and paste, copy and paste. And the first thing that I looked for was their response time. You know, the ones that are right there online, then the ones who may get back to you a little bit later, then the ones who respond to you the next day. And then over time, you, you start to have different conversations. You start, you know, and things go up as far as level. You don't just, you know, that initial message, my name is Sharifa, here's my phone number. You know what I mean? Like you build the conversation. You build to the point where you're talking on the phone. You build to the point where you're going out to public places and meeting this person. So I think more people should do it and just have fun. I think that's the key just to me is just to have fun. What do you think, Amy? Well, let's go now to my book, The Pleasure Principle, because having fun and finding pleasure is going to change your love life more than anything else. And that is one of the real keys to succeeding in dating in general is to go out there with the intention of meeting someone else and having fun and whatever else happens is just what happens. It doesn't matter because you're going out there and you're meeting people. One of the things I really, I really struggle with in the dating scene, and this probably comes with the fact that, you know, I was a foreigner traveling the world for so long and just meeting random people. When people go on a first date, mm -hmm. there's such judgment, mm -hmm. right? I've got to figure out whether he wants the same things I do. Am I attracted to him? I'm judging him, right? From the moment I look at him, I'm judging that guy. Is he going to be the one? Is he going to pass the test? Is he going to pass muster? Mm -hmm. For me as a person, I would, I think that's horrible. Okay. I mean, I know you're going on a first date because ultimately you want to find love, but what about just respecting the fact this is a vulnerable human being who's taken a risk, taken time out of his day to come and meet someone he doesn't even know. Meet there in that human vulnerability just for one date and mm -hmm. after the date, Go ahead, do all the judgment, the processing. But during that date, can't you just treat him as a vulnerable human being? I think that's beautiful. And what changed for me, because now my kids are older, my children are 22 and 25. So, and my daughter is a 25 year old in St. Louis, living her life, having fun. My son is a 22 year old. And at 22, he's just starting to move into the dating phase, you know, and when it's, it really opened my eyes because when he tells me what happens when he meets their different people and some of the things, experiences he has, I'm like, okay, this is how, you know, some of the things that women say about men, I want to give you an example. It'll come to me, but I'm like, he's not like that. You know what I mean? Like he's a good person. He's a good kid, but it's like, sometimes we paint this broad stro um, stroke about men, you know, especially when women, um, talk, we can say so many things, and I'm not saying negative things, but we tend to no, don't not to see them as a person. So now when I'm, I'm listening to his interactions with different women or different people, whoever it is, I'm like, oh my God, like, they're not even seeing you as you. No. I definitely 
That's really actually quite sad because it's so true. And I think guys do it to us. I'm not saying we do it. We're the only ones who do it. Like guys do it to us too. So one of the things I talk about in my book, I talk about that, that way we approach that first date quite a lot. And one of the real ways to win on a first date is to ask yourself, how can this guy right now give me pleasure? So men love pleasing women. So for a guy, I don't know why we do this. Why do we women try to please men? Because really what really works in a relationship is to show him that he's pleasing you. Like what, even with sex, we give men sex. No, men want to give us pleasure in sex. And if we receive pleasure, that's what cements our bond more than us trying to do sexy things to turn him on. So let's, let's just reverse this stuff on a first date instead of saying, right, how can I be the woman he wants to be? How can I show off? How can I give scintillating conversation? How about, how can this guy give me pleasure? And you know, a simple way is like, if you're eating a meal, mm -hmm. just pretend that he, he can deliver that meal to you and experience pleasure from that meal. If he has a joke, doesn't make you laugh, now, don't fake it. But if it makes you laugh and feel good, give him that genuine smile, show him that he can please you. This is if he can't, if he can't, you don't want to see him again. So don't worry about yeah. it. But, uh, other thing I really wish mm -hmm. is that we stop seeing first dates as win or lose situations. Mm -hmm. How many women go away from a first date with a guy they didn't really like, but he doesn't call her back. And she's mm -hmm. like, Oh, there's something wrong with me. I, right. you know, he didn't call me back. Oh, woe was me. What did I do wrong? He didn't like the guy anyway. Right. Right. But that's why I, like I was saying the 51st dates, because I didn't have to go out with 18 dates with somebody in order to, to figure out if it, I saw a relationship with them, you know, and I didn't like to add like a whole bunch of friends. I just want to meet them, see if they're a nice guy. You never know, because I've had other opportunities just from meeting people, you know, introducing people, not just, you know, he, like I said, going to be the one or your soulmate or something like that. So I think definitely people need this information. And again, where can people um, find your ebook, your book? So if you go to yourbrilliance.com, you're going to find my whole, it's an amazing site. It's got tons of different stuff in it. You can find my book on it. You can find tons of articles by me. You can find lots of social media content. And our goal is to help women live their most brilliant life. So it's not just dating and relationships. That's part of it. But it's about how we can really enjoy our lives so much more because when we're feeling pleasure and when we're enjoying ourselves, everything's easier. And that goes for career, that goes for health, that goes for our kids, and that goes for love. Oh, wow. You have been amazing, Amy. Now we are coming down to the last few minutes of the show. And what I like to do at the end of every show is just allow our guests the opportunity to speak to our viewers, the ones watching live right now. And I want to say welcome to Cespia and Daniel, who just popped in here, but the ones also watching in the archives. Let them know what you want them to take away from your interview. If everything's hard and everything's difficult and everything makes you feel bad about yourself and like it's never going to work, then don't blame the external circumstances. Start asking yourself how you can give yourself what you need, right? We wait for guys to give us love. What if we gave ourselves the kind of love we were waiting for guys to give us? Like, why are we waiting 
for guys to take us out to dinner, for guys to take us on vacation, for guys to buy us jewelry and chocolates. Why can't we take ownership of our own pleasure and give ourselves the pleasure we're expecting from others? And once you do that, and you're not waiting for other people to make you happy and to, to give you that smile, everything becomes easy and fun. Okay, I was gonna end this, but I just have to ask, you caught my attention too much. The part where you said about the, the flowers and for him to do these different things, but don't we as women still want those things? Or I mean, is that like out too? Well, once you give yourself flowers, a guy sees you like flowers and he'll start giving you flowers. This is it. When you start giving yourself the things you want from a man, it, he, oh, yeah, he's it. like, damn, that girl likes jewelry. Damn, that girl likes chocolate. He knows and then he can give it to you. But you got to start out by, by surrounding yourself well, with what you good. want. Yes, I love it. I love it. I, that right there, that was the gem. That was something I'm definitely going to... You know, I think I'm about to order me some flowers right now. Amy, you're wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. What's your website address again, please? Yourbrilliance.com. And if anybody wants uh, to get a sneak peek of my book, you can go to yourbrilliance.com slash free dash gift. I love it. I definitely love free gifts. So thank you for being a guest on today's episode of Ask Sharifa Videocast. Thanks, Sharifa. You are so welcome. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Sabrina, for your wonderful questions and your support during the show. Everyone who popped by, I want to definitely thank our sponsor, Fireball Approves. If you're looking for any rental apartment, any vacation, travel rental, you definitely want to make sure it's an actual legitimate listing. But don't just guess. Visit FireballApproves.com. If you're interested in watching more of my interviews, being a guest, or for sponsorship opportunities, please visit the website at AskSharifa.com. Until then, everyone have a wonderful day. When you're looking to buy or rent a property, you need FireballApproves.com. They protect you against renter fraud and much more. Give us a call today at 904-580-6740 before you shop. If Fireball approves it, then you can rest assured that it's a safe deal. Why go anyplace else? With over 20 years of experience, you bet we've got your back. That's FireballApproves.com. Don't get scammed. Make sure Fireball approves. Agency number A180. 00175. If you want to take your business to the next level, then you need InTheNewsPR.com. It's the perfect PR agency that can increase your business exposure along with your media interest through thoughtful storytelling and strategic media campaigns. That's InTheNewsPR.com. Give us a call at 562-822-0965 and see how we can get your company in the news. From marketing and social media to public relations and interviews, we've got it covered. That's InTheNewsPR.com. Make sure everyone knows your business.